welcome to the Great Council, where we use passionate discussion and intelligent debate to discuss the things you're not allowed to talk about at the dinner table. Today, uh, we have with us here in the studio, sitting to my left, is... Tobias. Tobias. Hello. I breathe. I live. It's been a while, but I'm here. And then across <laughs> the table from me. Well, hello there. It's Rebecca from That B Word. And then across the internets, all the way in the frozen north, is this person who's staring at me, <laughs> but is not saying his name. Well, I, I thought you were going to say my name. My name's Aspen. Hey, guys. All right. Okay, so today is going to be a spoilerific episode about Captain Marvel. If you have not seen the movie, turn this off now or be spoiled forever. Yes, once you have listened to a spoiler, you cannot unlisten to it. Right. So we will continue this in three, two, one. So I saw it twice. Toby, I think I've seen it. You've only seen it once. Yeah, I saw it when uh, I went with you and the boys. Right. And I took Becky when on the first Saturday it came out. Mm-hmm. And I, too, have seen it the one time. And how many times have you seen it, Aspen? Just the once? Just the once, but I did memorize it. Oh, okay. oh, nice. Well, good. Good deal. So, let's start off. What did you guys think? Uh, Becky, why don't you go first? Um, A plus. Movie good. Movie good. Yes. Toby. Uh, I thought it was that was pretty good. It was, it was a Marvel movie, so it was good in like the fact that all Marvel movies are pretty good. But it was also good in that it's a different, like, story than we usually get to see. Mm-hmm. Aspen? I mean, I thought it was well done. It was enjoyable. I had a good time. I think that they brought in some stuff into the way that they made it that was important to bring in. But I don't know if it, like, I didn't leave the theater feeling, like, changed in a significant way. Like, it didn't, you know, was there a bigger message? It didn't rock your world, huh? Did you yeah. okay? Let's just talk let's, for let's to begin with. Let's talk about the the actual story itself. We had uh, in the beginning of the of the beginning of the movie. We had it started off with with Veers in in on Hala in the Cree homeworld. Mm-hmm. What did you guys think that was weird? Did you? I don't understand how. I mean. Even the other Kree that were pink-skinned still don't look human, really, except for the one who happened to be on Earth. But the character that... What's his name? The Hawkeye. Yeah, hmm? Jude Law. Yeah, yeah, Jude Law. Jude Law. Uh, <laughs> the character that Jude Law played didn't look human, but he was one of these pink-skinned Kree, right? Right. Um, so I don't understand how anybody could have thought she was anything other than human the entire time, but she's living on, on the Cree home world. Like, Hey, what's up? I'm Cree. I got this blue blood. <laughs> Maybe they just don't care so long as you have the blue blood. Maybe. Who knows? I mean, how was Jude Law different? I guess I didn't notice that. His eyes were a different color. You didn't notice that they always had him in a funny lighting situation. They did. <laughs> Um, and I'm sure that was on purpose to and either make him look more or less human. I don't know. 
I don't know. I read the, um, or I heard somewhere that the the people were saying that the Cree empire has expanded so far and they've interbred. And so some of them have this lighter skin. And so I just assumed that even though if it was a minority, it was just a part of their society. Mm-hmm. I think I heard that too. But either way, if if we, you know, since this is a spoiler, everybody who we see her uh, interact with already knows what the real situation is. So maybe it's just kept hmm. kept it, within. It did seem like she was pretty contained. It wasn't like she was going off on vacation or wandering around in the streets or whatever. I mean, she was, it seemed like they were pretty 24 seven on call. Right. As part of the space force. Was that, I mean, I don't want to start political right away, but the space force. <laughs> No, they were Star Force, right? Were they? Or were they Star Force? Okay, maybe that's better. I don't think it was intentional. I heard Space Force, but that may be <laughs> me. So then she goes, she gets captured by the Scrawl, and uh, shuffled through her memories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She gets all turned downy, turned upside down. Yeah, and then she kicks kicks butt with mm-hmm. with no hands with no hands. And I was wondering what was going on because I had heard that Captain Marvel was supposed to be the most powerful Marvel character ever. But she was, the way she was acting at the time, it looked like Captain America with, with glowy hands. With glowy hands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we got that all kind of figured out at the end. I think they did a good job of that, of like being able to tell a story where she wasn't super overpowered, and then she got more power towards the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. I think one of the challenges they're going to have with, um, you know, uh, Endgame is you've now you've got somebody with these godlike powers, and she's had them for decades, so she really knows how to use them. How do you how do you fit that into a, a storyline where? somebody has a robot suit and somebody else just gets small, you know, it's like, right. <laughs> well, they, there's also, well, there's the robot suit. There's, I mean, but they've had Scarlet witch who is always in the storylines in the comic books. has always had what you might call the power of plot. Yeah. But Scarlet witch is gone. Scarlet witch is not there. That's true. Um, who else is not there? I mean, I, I don't really remember who is remaining. The original Avengers rocket, Tony, Thor, Tony, Thor, Captain America. Captain America. The Hulk. The Hulk. <laughs> Scarlett Johansson. Mm-hmm. Black, Black Widow. Black, yeah, thank you. Black Widow and uh, Hawkeye. Oh, yeah. Hawkeye, but we don't know that in, in Ronan yet. Ro- well, maybe. You don't know. We haven't heard that name. All we've heard is, all we've seen him in is him in his Ronan outfit in the trailer. With a mohawk and a sword. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying... <laughs> they never actually call Captain Marvel Captain Marvel in the movie. It is kind of funny though. You've got Captain Marvel with her like you know basically godlike powers, and then you got poor Hawkeye. I'm I'm here with a bow. None of this makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so back to Captain Marvel. She crashes on Earth into a blockbuster video, and that's when it gets good. That's pretty much <laughs> when it gets good. Although I thought that the shuffling through the memories was. <laughs> Was when it started getting good for me, mm. and she knows things are going weird when they start rewinding and straight into nineteen ninety five blockbuster video. First appearance of uh, 
Nick Fury with no eye patch. <laughs> I thought they did an amazing job of de-aging him. I mean, that guy's like, what, in his 70s? Yeah, did, did, they, they, did they do that CG or did they do that? It might just be all special effects makeup. Or special effects makeup. I couldn't tell. If it was CG, they I did a really good job. I think it could have went either way. But it looked no, it was pretty CG. good. They, they were using the same technology they've used to de-age people in the past couple of movies. And they did it with him and Coulson as well. Yeah, I know. I liked Coulson. I didn't. I couldn't tell. I couldn't like if it was if it was CG. It was really done really well. Like it yeah. wasn't Princess Leia. But you know, uh, Fury was actually expressive, and you know, it was really there. Coulson, I felt like he was almost like really kind of stiff faced. Like it didn't seem like they put the same number of hours into giving him all the details that they gave Fury. Yeah, but I think Coulson is always. That's kind of the way Coulson is, at least towards the beginning, before yeah. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Or, okay. or even before Avengers. I think that's the way he is. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> he was an FBI agent before he was, from what I understand from Clark Gregg, when, when another podcast I listened to, The West Wing Weekly, where he, where he played an FBI agent. He said there's a lot of, uh, I don't know, fan fiction not the right word, but fan theory, where his character... Uh, was the FBI agent on on the West Wing, and then went on to become code name uh, agent Phil Coulson after leaving the FBI. Hmm. Interesting. So this is like the same kind of stuff that the drugs from Breaking Bad created the zombie outbreak in um, The Walking Dead. Yeah, that kind of stuff. I hadn't heard that, but I can understand that. Although I don't know, is there any reason why that? I mean, you know, side discussion. Is there any reason why? That's the that would be a thought. Is there any well, like similar characters? Uh, well, Daryl Dixon talks about a dealer that him and his brother had that is similar, and the drugs are. I think the drugs even actually showed up directly, uh, but they were talking about a dealer that reminded people of somebody from Breaking Bad. Ah, okay. but um, so yeah, scrolls the fight in the bus in the the train. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the old lady. With the old lady. That was great. And we have to stop and pause for the Stan Lee cam- cameo where he plays Stan Lee. Which, okay, so did you see that that canonizes, uh, oh, now I've remember, forgotten his name, the Mallrights guy. Yeah. He's now a part of the MCU. Right, Kevin Smith. Yeah, and, Silent Bob. And also, what that also does is means that Marvel and DC are things in the MCU because that was Stan Lee's in Mallrats. He's talking about, you know, Wonder Woman and Spider-Man and all that other stuff. Yeah. But maybe he's talking about the reality rather than the comics. I don't know. They kind of already did that a little bit where with, um, um, old man Logan or what was the name of that movie? Right. Logan. Right. When, yeah. you know, they were referencing the comics in that movie as well. Plus, since we're talking about Stan Lee, the opening Marvel animation i was surprised to hear that i was actually pretty sweet of him to do that yeah so beat up the old lady i mean the old lady put up a good fight considering who she was fighting <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was captain america with a with a with glowy hands at that point um then you find out that colson's been scrawled so you see for the first time really how the scroll look like they fooled that's like a painful process to go through the shifting it did Be- becky what was next 
I don't know. I've only seen it once. You only saw it. <laughs> I know you only saw it once, but but then he goes and chases down um, uh, Captain Marvel, and she's she's on the road. She stole that guy's bike, and she's on the road looking for the base where she can. Oh wait! Down. I wanted to touch on that before we get past that. I wanted to touch on that the guy's bike because his his words were something that I know annoy women everywhere because yeah. he said something like well, why don't you give me a smile yeah, yeah oh, well right so nobody cares his bike got stolen right nobody matters <laughs> all right so they go to that bar where she remembers and uh finds captain how did how did fury know that she was did i miss something did you guys catch it I, I have no clue did you catch that becky i don't recall the part that you're talking about in the bar, before she, when, when she first meets Nick, Nicholas, Nicholas. Fury? Uh, Lorraine Fury. <laughs> Joseph, I think. Joseph, yeah. Do <laughs> um, you remember that part in the bar? No. No? She asked the bartender, hey, where's this picture from? And he says, uh, the airport. And then Nick Fury comes around the corner and dismisses the bartender. And then they have their discussion. I think I had to have like a little bit of suspension of disbelief at that moment because I'm like, either she stopped for burgers or somehow he teleported to that bar. Right. Because I, from the, the end of the fight thing, didn't she just kind of like get changed, get on the bike and head over there versus... He or no, she had to go to the Altavrits to search and, and look and find it online to find out where it was at. Yeah, that's right. She did that. She did the Google. The, sorry. So Alt-Visa maybe he search. checked her search history. Maybe. Maybe that's what happened. Okay. So, anyways, they're there. He. They did. They did their secret agent shield. We find out he doesn't like his toast cut diagonally. Right. <laughs> Which did you see how that uh, that that corresponded to a scene in an earlier movie where he was eating square chunks of toast? No, I don't remember that. When which movie was he eating square chunks of toast? I forget. I watched some YouTube video and they were they went back and they were like, "Look at this movie from way back when," and he cut his toast in squares. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. I did not did not realize that either. Hmm. But. You know what? I bet I know what movie. I bet it was Iron Man two in the di- in the diner the, with the donut sign. Oh, that could be. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, what did they do after that? They they went to Norad, man. I was like, I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did go to Norad. Fingerprinted? Do they have? You've been there. Do they have a fingerprint scanner on the on the gate? Oh, I don't know. I was on a bus or something when they wheeled us down the hill. <laughs> they, or did they in 1995? We may never know. Right. Well, it would have been around that time, actually. Oh, would it <laughs> So they go into NORAD. They, 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 they mention what? Yeah, the Pegasus mm-hmm. Project. Yeah. Uh, they get in. They get locked in a waiting room. Yeah, he does the tape thing. He messes around with some tape. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's a classic, you know, 90, 90s movie spy thing. That's what they all do. Yeah, I know. It, it was just funny because, you know, she's right there. 
Right. <laughs> well, and that's brought up is when she blasts through the door afterwards. <laughs> Yeah. He's just so proud of his little tape trick. He's like, mm, let me just do this again. And she's just no time. No time for it. Oh, but we forgot Goose. Oh, yeah. After Goose they get out of the room. After they get out of the room, they find Goose, the cat. Question mark. <laughs> the cat? <laughs> the cat? Maybe. Which I thought was a scroll. I did too. I was like, "Scroll can get that small," <laughs> especially when it when it shows up at the end of the records area that they're in, like just looking at them. Yeah, but if you think about it, though, Marvell passed like six years ago, so this cat's been hanging around in this top secret facility for six years, and people just been taking care of it. Like nobody took it home, right? Or maybe it just ate some people that. Nobody knew why they went missing. Possibly. <laughs> it seems like a cat that could take care of itself is what I'm saying. Right. Yeah. So was it was it Marvell's cat? Yeah. Yeah. It was like her guard cat or something, right? Like, that's why it was there, was to protect her, wasn't it? Yeah, there was a scene with her and the cat. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't remember which, which scene, but... So, they find more information. They found out why everybody thinks that... What was her name? Lawson? Well, later to be known as Marvell was a who because of the the Cree hieroglyphs that that they find. Mm -hmm. And they find the evidence of a faster than light, light speed engine. Which is kind of fun because if you think about the Tesseract and the ability to summon the Bifrost and, you know, transport across space. Well, I mean, you could call that a faster than light engine. That's that's fair. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They... Talk to her old partner, uh, the goose, to her maverick. Monica Rambo? Uh, Monica Photon Rambo, if you look at the at her airplane pictures. Which, I don't know if if, if anybody caught that, Photon is a... Uh, Particle of Right, matter. but it's also yeah. the name of a Captain Marvel character. Oh, yeah. I, I think, uh, what's her name? The Daughter eventually grows up to be Photon and another avatar of and it Captain might, Marvel. The timeline, if she was like, you know, 12 and 95, the timeline might be workable when it comes around for Endgame. Mm-hmm. Her and Cassie Lang together. So, yeah. So we talked to, uh, to, to we said Monica. Is that her name? Mm-hmm. She, and she said, and uh, she discovers her past or some of her I mean, you're skipping over the the fight with the scrolls and stealing the proto Quinjet and flying away. Oh yeah, I am, aren't I? So they do all that. The more we talk about this, the less I feel like I liked it. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Yeah. (laughs) Because I remember all these pieces, all these plot points, but and thinking that none of them were, you know. I wasn't gobsmacked by them or anything like that. But I do like that you when she flew into space. Right. So she goes to she goes to talks to, to Monica. They they discover her past. They talk about I really want to get to the themes, so I'm trying to hurry this along a little bit. <laughs> okay. 
the scrolls show up. Yeah. They have the black box from the crashed jet. Mm -hmm. They play that for her, which gives her more information about her past and what happened there. The engine blew up and how she Mm -hmm. got her powers. Right. They discover where the 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 old lab is. Right. In space. In space. Uh, Modify her plane and go up there and discover the scrolls' uh, family. All their wives and babies. Right. And how they're really refugees from the Kree Empire because the Kree are evil, which you should already know because of Ronan's entrance from before. I mean, I think they let that be a little bit ambiguous. They're authoritarian. They're an empire that expands and, and rules over other planets. They're, you know, the Star Force is violent. Are they evil? Okay, maybe not evil. Maybe not all of them are evil. And I don't think they're evil per se, but they're they're not interested in anything but themselves. Well, that seems fair. Which, well, it isn't evil. It isn't necessarily good either. Sure, they're not. I mean, they might be able to frame it like they're helping these people out on these other planets that they dominate and rule. But, you know, maybe just leave us alone. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So they discover the the core. They were looking for the, the the power core, which ends up being the Tesseract. The Tesseract, yeah. And then how did it get, because it was what, in uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. custody before that? It was. Like, what, wasn't it underneath the ocean before that? Yeah, it, was, it had fallen off the the plane that Captain America was in. And Tony's dad, he found it and brought it to U.S. government. I think, I think what they're, I, I think what they're saying is maybe uh, Tony Stark and Marvell worked together at some point. Hmm. I suppose that's possible. It would have been Tony Stark's dad, right, at that point. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I meant. Did I not say that? No, you said Tony Stark. I meant Tony Stark's dad. Um, okay. Yeah. So they have a big fight. Uh, this, this time with the Kree. The mm-hmm. cat is not a cat. The cat is not a cat. It's a farkin. It has they, tentacles that come out of its face and eat wrongdoers, and it's amazing. It's pretty great. Very, it's the best part of the whole movie. Very Lovecraftian. Yeah. <laughs> They they capture uh, uh, Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel, mm-hmm. and have her commune with uh, the the like, great intelligence or the all intelligence or whatever it's called. Supreme intelligence. Supreme intelligence. Thank you. Which is an AI, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And she and it's the leader of the Kree Empire. Mm-hmm. That's kind of an interesting thought to have an AI as your leader. Explain it explains their ruthlessness. Yeah, that does. Uh, she goes there. She falls, and then they do a very end of the end of Buffy. All, all I think of both times I saw that that uh, that sequence when she's a kid standing up was that it was very like the very end of Buffy the Vampire Slayer when mm, oh the, yeah when all the all the Slayers, Not all the slayers, but all the, the potential potential slayers? slayers get their powers, and they were so that's what it reminded me of. And then she realizes that the they didn't give her the power; she got it from the exploding ship. And then she kicks their butts, and kicks their butts, and becomes kicks, kicks that AI's butt, becomes the supreme 
so power. Now she, she can shoot extra strong things, photon blasts out of her fist. She can use her fists to propel her. Mm-hmm. She also phased through matter at some point, didn't she? Yeah. I don't remember that. I don't remember her phasing through matter. Like when she was falling through Earth. When she was falling out of space, she went through the dirt. Did she? Uh, well, they don't really. She like she falls out of space, and then she's falling, and she's freaking out, and then she relaxes, and her eyes glow just before she hits, and it just kind of. She just kind of falls. Falls, and, and then see, she punches the ballistic missile. Right. Well, so first she hits the the little spaceship. Is there somebody in that? Yeah, that's uh. What's his name? Jude Law. Oh, was he in that ship that he... I thought she was, like, falling with that ship, and she, like, busted it up a little bit before she fell away. No, I think she she fell off of the ship and then fell down, realized she could, you know, her got glowy-eyed. Jude Law <laughs> was flying, and then she comes up, punches that spaceship. It crash lands. Ronan shows up and fires giant missiles at the Earth. And she catches one and turns it around and blows it all up. Mm -hmm. So this might have been intentional, but Ronan looks so much weaker than he did in the previous movies. He looked almost stupid. And maybe it was just because he didn't have the black face paint or something, but I was just like... Who's this guy? He looks like he's from the Blue Man Group. He doesn't look intimidating at all. (laughs) Was it the same actor? I think so, yeah. Yeah, it was the same actor. I yeah. think, well, I mean, he isn't as powerful as he is before. I think he doesn't have the. the right, because same. he hasn't made that agreement with. Uh, with Thor. With that Thor. With Thanos. Uh, Thanos. Thanos, yeah. Well, they did a good job because that guy looked like a punk and <laughs> the one from before was like pretty impressive. Right. And uh, I did like the stare down where he was just like, mm, maybe not today. <laughs> <laughs> well, then she punches the ship. All the way through. One of the big ones. She punches it good. Mm-hmm. And it gets and destroyed. And they run away. Like the little Kree that they are. Then she takes the <laughs> remaining scroll to go find a homeland. Right. Where they can... But before she does that, she gives uh, back Fury's beeper that she said she... she oh, the pager. The pager that she said that she modified. Yeah. So now it has a range of a couple of galaxies. Only for emergencies. They go away and find, help find the scroll A. Yes. And before, but before all that, mm. the uh, Fury pisses off the Flurkin and it scratches him in the eyeball. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they did, and they did a couple, a couple of uh, 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 fake outs on that too. Cause there was like in the car crash, he gets injured around his eye, but he's fine there. And there was like another one where he got injured in the eye. Mm-hmm. They didn't overdo it, but I wouldn't have minded if they did. Like they, they just kept like almost getting hit in the eye and ends up being a flirting attack. Yeah. He says, oh, no, I'll be fine. And this girl's like, shakes no. his head. No. <laughs> yeah, that was- girl, I thought that was pretty funny. Can you change into a filing cap? Why would I want to do that? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So. What about afterwards? What we think of afterwards? Who is a scroll? What? Who's a scroll? Who do we know in the movies on Earth is a scroll? 
Because I figure they introduced the scroll. Somebody on Earth that we know is a scroll. Um, I don't know. You have a theory. You have a theory. I, I have assume? a theory because I had not even thought of that. I think it's Hill, Maria Hill. Maria Hill. I think Maria Hill's a scroll. Why? I don't know. I just <laughs> didn't. Is that like these grandniece or something that Cap was flirting with? Oh, oh, that could be too. I hadn't thought about that. Who's Hill? Maria Hill, the um, Robin from How I Met Your Mother, which probably doesn't help you at all. Ask me. Nope. Uh. Um, she was in she started Avengers off, 2? She was in Avengers, the first Aven- one. The first. Uh, oh, Fury's second. Fury's, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, I remember her. Yeah. She's been in... Uh, it does seem like it would make sense if it was somebody in Shield or one of the organizations. Like they'd want to infiltrate an organization, have some kind of push, some power, right? Right. And I feel like somebody close to Fury, since he's in the know, like him nope. having a scroll who is close to him. Okay. So, but what is what would be their motivation? I mean, the refugees just wanted a home. They're happy to be reunited with their family. They're done. Right. Well, I think and we did get introduced to any other scrolls with any other motivations. Right. Yeah, exactly. I don't see any purpose of them being on Earth. Uh, well, maybe they liked it there. Maybe <laughs> Maria Hill is the daughter of uh, Taylor. I mean, you know, there's an Infinity Stone there, so there's some interest in, like, keeping an eye on that, for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, there's more than one. At that time? At that time, there was, well, there's the Tesseract. And the Time Stone. Yeah, but they the necessarily show. know about that. That's true. I don't remember if there was anything around Earth at that time. Probably not. The Mind Stone was the, was already in the power of of Thanos because he gave that staff to Loki, right? Right. The the minds and the uh, I don't know. Anyway, that was I thought. It's, it's, these movies, they kind of strike me a little bit like Christianity. You know, it's like in all of the infinite space, this is the, you know, the planet where God creates you know, humans in his likeness or whatever. I'm like, okay, so in all this infinite space, all this time, somehow Earth, this backwoods little rural planet with no technology is the place where all these infinity stones come together. Well, yeah. If it were on, <laughs> if it were on, say, the Cree homeworld or uh, the the planet where um, the Nova core is at or you know someplace with more tech they would have been found already yeah it's just it's like we're incapable of telling a story that's not about ourselves right well (laughs) yeah nobody would go to see it if it wasn't about us and to be fair for christianity there's nothing to say he didn't make other other people in his what image in in on other planets Maybe. Well, that's why all the alien species that we meet look so similar to humans, because, you know. <laughs> right. Slightly different images. Okay. So that's the movie. Let's, so, talk, let's talk about the themes. There's the okay. obvious theme. The, the, the women are great and powerful theme. <laughs> I mean, was that a real theme, or is this a movie that just happened to have some women as lead characters? I mean, I think it's a real theme, especially because you have a couple times where you have them, the men, some man saying something stupid that men say to women all the time. 
and it's like subverted. So sub, yeah, like the why don't you smile, whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I've got a question. So what do you think is more feminist, right? Like you had Wonder Woman, which was absolutely you had the Amazon warriors, and you had you know this princess and she was a super warrior and she was kicking ass that was you know definitely exalting women and and a movie about lifting them up or holding them up i kind of feel like this movie maybe was just a movie that happened to be about a woman lead and she had a one friend and her mentor was a woman but it wasn't it didn't strike me as being about like it wasn't uh it was about women but it wasn't you know like trying to say that women were uh, extra special in any kind of way. It was just happened to be a movie that was about women. Right. But I think I'll bet you'll find that this movie passes the Bechtel test, whereas Wonder I don't think Wonder Woman does. It seems like this movie was made to pass that test. <laughs> <laughs> if you ever watch epic rap battles of history on you there's the there's the one that's Stevie Wonder versus Wonder Woman. And he, and Stevie Wonder makes a comment on his side that's about how she's supposed to be this great, you know, woman's figure, but her her only movie is about her running off with a guy. <laughs> and that doesn't happen in in Captain Marvel. Like the only <laughs> guy figure is well, I guess technically she runs off with Taylor, but I don't. No, no, that's true. Like the one thing that they did offer us here was a story about a woman where she's not. Falling in love with somebody. Right. Mm-hmm. And right. Monica doesn't fall in love with anybody. And Marvell doesn't fall in love with anybody. Like, there's not a romance subplot. Mm-mm. Yeah. It's just, I think that is about women and only about women. I mean, yeah, you have Nick Fury, but he's a. It's about people who are women and written as people. And. Right. It. <laughs> There's, so in that way, it's far more feminist than than Wonder, Wonder Woman, Woman or any other Marvel movie so far, really. Right. Just in part because it's it's just a, a story. It's not trying right. to be special. Right. It doesn't. It's not trying to. It doesn't have a point to prove. Right. Right. And in fact, that's a thing that she says at the end of the movie when she's fighting Jude Law. And he throws his stuff down. He's like, I knew you could prove you could do it. You All you have to do now is prove to me that you can fight me. And like, she, I don't have to prove anything to you. Right. Yeah. Blast him out. I do think that, yeah, definitely that might have had like a little double entendre for people's expectations about the movie. Yep. I think the movie, I've heard this, and I, think I agree with it. The movie is also about trust. About who you can trust. About us trusting what we hear and see in the movie. In other, in other places. Right, because you can't really trust what you see as far as... Right, because she doesn't know who who's to trust. Who's who. At, at the beginning, she trusts Jude Law. And even... Like, Jude Law is the bad guy, but Jude Law traditionally plays good guys. Eh. Like, he was the good guy in... Well, I don't... I can't think of... I don't know. Nightheart Huckabees, he was kind of a bad guy. I suppose. <laughs> but nobody watches him. I love that movie. It's my favorite movie, Shush. <laughs> and uh, what's his name? The guy who plays uh, Taylor, the scroll, who is a good guy, traditionally plays I mean, bad guys. He uh, he was kind of like, he admitted, he's like, I've done terrible things. Mm. But, you know, in the context of this story arc, he just wanted to get back to his family. Right. But I don't, I wouldn't go so far as to say that he had 
you know, really been a good guy. I think in the context of the story, he's the good guy. Well, you know, I mean, as we we kind of move beyond old tropes, maybe one of the things that we could move beyond is the idea that there has to be a black hat and a white hat. You know, I mean, maybe everybody can be complex and everybody can have, you know, competing personal motivations. And it's just a story. And it's not a story about good versus evil. Okay. Yeah. Fine. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I liked her outfit. Okay. Her outfit was cool. (laughs) I don't know. I got, I, I didn't, I didn't like her outfit, especially at the beginning. Why? This is the rubber suit thing. Space suit. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't like it. I thought it was cool. I th- and I also didn't like when her and uh, the girl were changing the colors around. Because hmm. it didn't look like she was doing anything. It looks like she was just fiddling with the thing. But they acted like she was deliberately choosing colors and whatnot. Which the first one, I don't know if you noticed, was Iron Man colors. No, I did not notice. It was kind of hard to tell. Uh, maybe. But the first one was Iron Man Colors. Then I think they went through a couple of her other... Uh, in Actually, I think it, from what I heard, it was in order a couple of her other costume colors from the comics. Hmm. Both I like the one that looked like the little uh, glow-in-the-dark uh, hoopy things from Raving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then they go the glow, with the glow stick suit. I'm sure that was a reference to something. <laughs> I think that was one of the one of the costumes. Was it? I'm not positive. But I think. And then they choose the 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 Air Force colors of of her shirt. Of uh, what was the little girl's name? Mm, Robin. Something like that. Little Rambo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, red, like, I've never associated red with the Air Force. I mean, blue. Right. But that's close to her teal that she had before with the Star Force. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just, like, American flag colors. Well, I mean, it was based off of, the sh- off of, her, off of her shirt, which was a red shirt with the, the, the Air Force blue uh, logo on it. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. So what else did you – what were some of the thing, other things that you guys saw that you – liked or didn't like or want to point out okay uh actually i'm sorry becky tobias you guys want to jump in um i just kind of liked when she was punching the spaceships (laughs) i liked that a lot um i really don't have any I think I, I already pointed out my favorite parts with the cat right the cat the (laughs) The cat was the best part of the movie What's your Toby? Um, the only thing that I had a problem with was her not like remembering things felt really boring to me. Like I understand why they did it that way, but it just I don't know. It just felt like it was overdone. It's something that we've seen a thousand times. The character doesn't have their memories, and then they get them back, and oh, it's this big thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. We would have had a hard. It would be hard pressed to uh, say why she's on on the Cree home world if uh, she had her human memories. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see why they do it, but I can see that that whole trope is kind of overdone it's, sometimes. Yeah, 
They're going to have a hard time continuing to make superhero movies without, you know, recycling some of these tropes. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you noticed, but Spider-Man Homecoming is the last Marvel movie for a while. Mm-mm, I hadn't noticed. I mean, I think the next one that I even, the only one I even know of that's coming after after uh, Homecoming, or not Homecoming, Far From Home, is I know they're making a Black Panther 2, but I don't know, I don't know idea when. And uh, they're still in negotiations trying to get, uh, what's his name, the director for Guardians of the Galaxy back. James Gunn? James Gunn. They're bringing him back? Yeah, they're bringing him back. Didn't he do something real bad? He said some stuff on Twitter that he shouldn't have said, and they fired him. Oh, now they now they want him back again. Yeah, because Guardians of the Galaxy one was so good. Yeah, and Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy two maybe wasn't. I mean, it was still it was good, but sad. wasn't. It was still good, but it was yeah. The ending was really sad. I didn't like that. It was like I wanted a superhero big fight em up movie not making me cry <laughs> I didn't sign up for feels never sign up for feels what did you what were you you were about to say something Aspen but did you, what was one of the things you wanted to point out well it seemed like the question of an authoritarian empire mistreating refugees and refugees just wanting to make a life for themselves I mean those seemed like some familiar themes right yeah, I can see that. Although, maybe not quite as parallel as we may at first think, because they are actually actively conquering rather than just sitting here. Having established their conquering? I mean, come on. Right. We've been putting dictators in Central America for decades. You know, replacing leaders in South America, you know, invading places in the Middle East. Uh, You know, I mean, we're pretty actively colonizing the world. Okay, I'll give you that. I I should say you are. I quit. (laughs) I quit. I'm sure Canada's got, got got their dark secrets, too. It's just nobody wants to believe it. Hey. (laughs) <laughs> that's why they let you smoke all that marijuana yeah. so that you stay nice and placid it's buried <laughs> under all that snow up in northern Canada where nobody lives people live up there yeah like Wyoming technically people live in Wyoming too but you know <laughs> you never actually know any of them. so do you think that anybody left the theater with any greater sympathy for refugees or do you think that that was something that either people just didn't think about or just didn't make the connection. I, you know what? I didn't even make the connection. I, I think that if it's something that you are concerned with, you probably made that connection. And if it's not, you probably didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I doubt anybody left the theater. I don't think it changed any minds. Yeah. I mean, unless you were, unless you're working on like a subliminal level where it kind of just plants the seed, but it's, I don't think anybody left the theater changed going, I've been so wrong about refugees this whole time. Fair enough. What about authoritarian law enforcement? You know, the Star Force. They were portrayed in the the build-up to the movie as, you know, what, noble heroes, right? Noble hero warriors. Noble and, warriors, uh, yeah. Hey, there you go. And then it turns out they're bullies, you know, they're, they're Gestapo. Mm-hmm. I don't think um, most of Americans see their law enforcement as authoritarian. 
whether they are or not is for a different discussion. But I don't think most Americans see it that way. You mean most white Americans or most Americans? <laughs> uh, that's well, a good point. Yeah, well, yeah, most white Americans. But I think statistically, I think statistically, my my original. Uh, there are more white Americans than not white Americans. I don't think that's true. Maybe not. Okay. Most I don't know. white Americans don't feel that they're that they're. And you'd also probably have to take into account class, right? Because middle class is one thing, but if you grew up poor, even if you were white, you probably had a different uh, experience with the police. I mean, you're not wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I've been wrong before. I admit it. No, I, I, I don't think you're wrong. I just think you're speaking from your experience and then projecting that experience onto others who maybe had different experiences. Right. You know, my first, one of my earliest memories, I was three years old, and the local sheriff had his gun in my dad's belly, you know? Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I grew up with a certain kind of perspective about police officers. That actually explains a lot about you, Bassman. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know that this changed anybody's mind. Uh, if you feel like thinking about it, if you feel like thinking about the movie, then... I can see where this, this, these discussions come up like they do here. I guess that's what I was saying at the beginning when we started recording was that, you know, when we first started talking about our impressions of the movie, there's been movies where they like peeled open your eyeballs and they were like, think about this, let it change you. And this movie was more like, mmm, popcorn. You know, it was yeah. fun. It was good. I enjoyed it. But, you know, it didn't, it didn't take me and make me think about things differently. Well, what about, well, let's compare it. What about, say, we had a big discussion about Black Panther. It was the first episode of The Great House. How does Captain Marvel compare to Black Panther? Well, they're similar in some ways. I mean, on the face of it, right? Because you've got the first, um, at least Marvel movie, big comic book movie that's where the leads are all black people and in this one leads are all women so there's like a slight similarity even though they're 99 percent white women <laughs> except for the one well the two, uh, well, well there's captain mark uh carol danvers she's white but then and lauren lawrence marvell is white but rambo is black and her daughter and her daughter mm-hmm yeah, but like Fury, they were both secondary characters. I mean, they weren't necessarily, you know, primary characters. That's true. But what about, like, Black Panther made you look at the black, I don't know if plight is the right word, but it made you look at them and at them, at black people. <laughs> There's going to be editing. <laughs> it made you look at black people, and I thought it made you think in a way that you might not normally think. Especially with so many people. I've heard so many people talk about how Killmonger was right. Yeah, I think he, he, they led us to thinking about those things. They also showed us what uh, a society of black excellence could look like, mm-hmm. you know, outside of the influences of colonialization, colonialization and exploitation. Right. So they really presented something that we we haven't seen in that same way, presented on on main theater like that. I think 
perhaps one of the differences between the two films is that we have seen female excellence in our lives. Like mm. it's not on par, it's not equal yet, but we do have examples of strong, powerful, you know, uh, white women who are world leaders and are scientists and researchers and, you know, artists and, you know, inspire us and stuff. So, so it wasn't new in the same way that it was new to see Wakanda and be like, Holy shit, they've, you know, they're ahead of us. Like they've, they've got an amazing society. Mm -hmm. What about, let's say it's a, I don't think it's very comparable, but I'm going to compare them anyways. It's the first it's the first episode, first movie that we've seen. Let me think about this first. It's the first movie where we're actually introduced for the first time to a character that we haven't seen that kind of thing since the first, the first phase of the of the MCU. Okay, like right. Tony Stark getting to know Captain America. Right. Since then. A lot of the characters have been introduced in other movies before they get their own movie. Mm -hmm. Like the only introduction to Captain Marvel we get is her. The beeper in the, at the end of. Uh, yeah. The Avengers. Well, I mean, was that the case for Ant Man? Uh, you're right. It was Ant Man got his own movie first. And Doctor Strange? Did Doctor Strange get his own movie first, or did he show up? I want to say that he had a like a cameo in a movie, but then. I'm thinking maybe that might have been a YouTube video that I saw. <laughs> it might not have been. Maybe, maybe I'm completely wrong because I was thinking of Spider-Man. Yeah, he definitely got a soft introduction in Civil War. Right, and so did yeah. Black Panther. Yeah, he got a he got an introduction beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so maybe I'm just wrong. Maybe I wasn't. I wasn't thinking of the other ones. But what about the thought that they're introducing the new the new Avengers? Like they're gonna like. Tony Stark's, uh, let's see, Robert Downey Jr. is losing his contract or has gone through his contracts. Uh, same thing with uh, Chris Evans and Chris Hemsworth. Uh, I don't know about Scarlett Johansson's contract, but I'm better. I think she's getting her, her solo movie now, finally. Oh, is she? That'd be nice. About time. Well, and I think it'll be a very different movie because of this movie, right? Right. Like before Captain Marvel, it was going to have a love interest. It was going to be, you know, the kind of female-led movie that we've seen before. I think they have a little more freedom to to make a different movie this time. But with this one, then it's I don't think it if if it is a love interest for Scarlet for uh, Black Panther, Black Widow, Black Widow. I suck at this. <laughs> Why am I a podcaster? Names are hard. <laughs> you didn't take your Adderall, did you? No. I think with this movie, they can go back and do a more traditional female role movie with Black Widow, and it doesn't matter as much. Does that make sense? Um, I disagree. Okay. I think it, I think it, that they've pushed the boundaries out far enough where they kind of have to keep that they've set the bar and now right. they have to keep it at that level <laughs> they can't go back and be in remake like weathering heights or something right yeah well weathering heights wouldn't make much sense with, with black so they set the stage so that black widow can be a spy movie and she it can be about her being a badass spy rather than being you know she's gonna have to find somebody to fall in love with and blah 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 you know like Mm -hmm. 
Well, we could probably write, or at least the basic plot of the traditional Scarlet uh, Black Widow movie. <laughs> like, please don't make me do this. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, I think we're done. Unless uh, anybody has anything else they want to say. Because it's been. I'm going to re- revise my original A plus uh-huh. to a solid B. Solid B. <laughs> yeah. You too. I I. It was. It wasn't. It was a good movie, but it wasn't spectacular. Hmm. It was just kind of an ordinary Marvel movie. Yeah. Which I kind of liked because they didn't try to push anything in your face. It was just a movie. Hmm. What about you? Final grade, Aspen? Uh, you know, I'll give it an A. It was fun. I enjoyed it. I think it will be seen as being important for how it changes how we look at female characters, you know, after this. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like, you know, changing my life. I think it was just a good film. Okay. I agree. I'll give it an A. All right. Thank you, everybody, for coming in today. Cancel adjourn. If you are interested in becoming a council member or want to leave a message, call the Stonefruit Media voicemail line at 234-262-0549. Email us at gray council at stonefruitmedia.net or find us online at wearethegrays.com the gray council is produced by stonefruit media the same music finding the balance is by kevin mcleod at incompetech.com and licensed under creative commons by attribution 3.0 license This is your beautiful bipolar host, Becky, and I'd like to invite you to come listen to my podcast, That B Word. We focus on borderline personality disorder, bipolar disorder, and everything else across the mental health spectrum from ADD to autism. So I'd really appreciate it if you could come swing by and and check us out. You can find us at www.thatbword.com. Thanks.